and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. Today, I would like to talk about education, exams, the nerves and why it's all worth it in the end. I definitely understand the worry about committing to taking on an exam. Over the last nine years, I've done my sitting guilds, ICMG and the majority of my PIF hires. I've for the most part enjoyed working towards every single grooming exam that I've done. I enjoy working on breed standards and learning about them. I enjoy feeling like I've achieved something and getting recognition from both my peers and my customers. And I like that my customers are supportive when I pass something. I also do take pride in the certificates on my wall because I know how bloody hard I've worked for them and what I've had to achieve to get them. Of course, we all get nerves and we get the jitters and we have things that we struggle with. For me, I almost felt in pain sitting and revising health and safety legislations, the animal laws and the business side of things. In college, we practised all of these things, as I do in the salon, but revising the right terms, the right laws and the dates I found very tedious. But that is all behind me now because once it's done, it's done. Today, I'm talking to Julie Harris about all things education. I want to talk to her about why she champions qualifications and how it benefits our industry. I'm also interested in how she thinks training builds your confidence as a groomer from the beginning. And I want to know all about Julie Harris education. Julie has been a groomer for over 35 years. She has been a grooming instructor and examiner. She holds seminars and she judges. She's a founding member of the English Grooms Group and she helps organise the rookie grooming competition. And she has her own range of grooming products. She also is the co-founder of the Groomer Spotlight, an organisation that helps promote fully qualified groomers all over the UK. This podcast is going out not long before the City and Girls Theory exam, so listen up. Hi Julie, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. How are you today? I'm really good. I've just had a session of acupuncture, so I'm, I'm very relaxed and uh, yeah, pain free at the minute. We'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Brilliant. How long does it usually last? Um... Generally, I have a session about once a fortnight, something like that. And I, I mean, I'm pain free. I mean, not I'm not like Superwoman. I'm not like the only groomer that doesn't suffer with pain, but it really helps. It really does help. Yeah. You know, I can still groom, still groom quite happily. So it's good. I've never spoke to anyone who's had acupuncture before. Mm. So you go every two weeks and how long does it last? It's, um, well, I, I, I imagine if I, didn't yak so much and she wasn't such a good friend now (laughs) it probably would last about 45 minutes but I can have anything up to I don't know 40 50 needles 
So that me, that me. Yeah, yeah. It depends, oh, it... how, depends how bad I'm feeling, or if if it's just dealing with my neck, then yeah. it's fine. You know, that's about twenty. But if I've got a specific problem, or you know, I, I'll say to her, oh God, lower back's been a bit grim, and she'll say, right, I'll chuck some needles in there then. Oh, well, if it works, it works. It doesn't hurt. Fairness, if it does hurt, they're doing it wrong. Well, I, I would imagine putting needles in anywhere would hurt, but no, I've heard it shouldn't hurt. So, no, I might give that a go. Yeah, do, do. I highly recommend it. So today we've got you here to talk about um, education and qualifications and training. Um, could you tell us a bit about some of the qualifications that you have um, acquired, you know, throughout your time as a groomer? um well I started with the level three so I've got the the old level three and the one where you had to do um three practical dogs and also bath the poodle um and then you sat a theory exam so I've got that one I've also got my higher diploma and I've also got my certified feline master groomer so yeah so I went to the states and got that qualification and then I've um so I suppose they're the only grooming qualifications I've got I've yeah. got some um, sort of um, qualifications in dermatology and that sort of stuff, and but they're not sort of like recognised. They're just courses that I've done over over time. Yeah. I think for people going through exams, you need to look at your teachers, like your examiners, and just other people around you, and sort of think, oh, they seem to find it sort of so much easier. Um, with any of the exams that you've done, can you remember any practical ones that you sort of can laugh about now, but at the time caused you particular stress? I think if I'm brutally honest, every single exam causes me stress. Yeah. I don't think there's any one that stands out. Um, when I took my exams, um, I was really aware of, um, you know, trying to really read the room, you know, mm-hmm. the examiners trying to sort of like smile and keep calm. And and we got very, very little feedback years ago. You didn't nowadays or what previously has happened is that you get verbal feedback. Um, yeah. So you kind of know where you were going wrong and you think, right, OK, I need to sort that out. But when I did my exam, you literally got a sheet of paper with um, an outline of the dog on and they put a cross where huh. it was right. No, no explanation, just cross. So okay. you got a piece of paper with a cross on it and you're like, well, was that a bit good? Was that a bit bad? Oh, so you didn't even know what the crosses meant. So No, you didn't get any. Uh, you got... A, couple of times you got a, a couple of words I did one exam I took my Westie exam three times wow, and yeah. it was getting to the point where I just didn't know what they wanted and I was like get myself in a two and eight about it and um and um I spoke to a friend before Mel Winters and I said yeah. to her, you know, she says you could do this you know what, what you're buggering about at just go in and pass the exam and um just do it neat and tidy so I went in and I honestly can't find it she took nearly every hair off the dog Blimey. It was like, like, neat, get it neat, get it neat, get it neat. And literally, I just scissored it to within an inch of its life. And I think that was failure number three. And I got this bit of paper and all that was written on it, literally in the top corner was rather short. So it was neat and tidy though. Westies gave me such a headache. You know, I put off Westie being any kind of exam dog until I absolutely had to do it sort of at the end of my level three. Um, because terriers were my absolute nemesis I just really struggled I like I could do fluffy things I could do like um you know nice rounded this and rounded that but when it comes to terrier expressions and terrier shapes I just it was so foreign to me 
Um, they're hard. I mean, all, all I think all brief standard trims are really hard. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, but and that said, probably the Westie is one of the, the best dogs I do because I've, you know, had to go back to drawing board and what am I doing wrong? And let's do it again. And then let's let's hit the books. Because when I, you know, I'm sure you've heard it before with us older groomers, you know, there was no internet. There was no YouTube. No. You couldn't go on and look at somebody grooming a Westie. You literally just went to the two seminars that were available in the country at the time and, you know, just worked really hard at refining it. And then when I did my higher diploma, um, I had I literally had one more one more unit to do. And a friend of mine was like a trainee examiner, uh, Richard Barker, and he was shadowing the other examiners. And um he said to me, do you know, do you want some pointers? Do you want some pointers? And you know, it's like, you're like oh, yes, yes, give me any pointers, oh, please. please. Yeah. Just tell me, tell me what I've got to do. And it was a poodle. I was doing a scissored poodle. And um, it was a dog that I'd competed with. So I was felt, I felt quite relaxed with it. But Richard said, oh, do you want any pointers? And I went, oh, yes, please. And he leant over and he went to me, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that was his advice was basically don't fuck it up and I was like cheers Richard that's really helped tremendously for that one but then, going back to the Westie if you'd said that you sort of failed it a couple of times before you finally did pass it how did you feel um when you passed that exam in comparison to some of the ones that you didn't find quite so difficult it was it was obviously it was the final one so that meant I'd I'd got got the qualification yeah and, um I remember leaving the exam center and I was doing my qualifications with Nikki Mills at the time and she qualified before me um, and we'd always kind of done everything together and we'd pass this and pass that and of course I was stuck on this flipping Westie yeah and she couldn't kind of celebrate her having the qualification because you know we worked together we had a sound yeah. and it was like you know so I remember leaving it and, and feeling almost as bad for Nikki as what mm -hmm. I did myself because I was thinking oh. And we, you don't know your results on the day, which you do now. Oh, okay. Or did. So you used to have to wait for the postman. So if he came with a, a, a thin brown envelope, it meant that was a failure notice because it was all folded up. Right. If he came, if he came with a big you know, certificate, mm -hmm. you know, you'd be like, oh, my God, before you opened it, you knew. So you'd be sitting there with this thin envelope knowing that it was a fail. And um, I remember walking out of that exam, walking around back to the car and thinking to myself, I was really pleased with the dog. And I was thinking, if I haven't passed it today, I really don't know what they want. I'm, I'm really yeah. stumped as to how I'm ever going to pass this. And mm -hmm. um, I remember saying to Nikki, you know, let's hope it's a, a big brown envelope. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that it came in the post sort of about 10 days later. When you got that big envelope, what, what did you do? Did you? It was it was just first thing I was on the phone to Nikki to say, oh, my God, I've passed. And then, you know, we celebrated. But I sometimes think that when when you pass something that you've really, really worked hard for, it's mm. almost a bit of an anticlimax at the end. Mm. I know when I passed my higher diploma, it was amazing that I, yeah, everything was like, oh, wouldn't it be great when we passed? Wouldn't it be great when we got it? Wouldn't it be great when we got yeah. it? And then when we got it, it was like, oh, we've got it now. Yeah, no, I felt like that before. Do you ever feel as well like 
sometimes when you've achieved something, you then think, well, what next? Like, well, this what is ne exactly why I'm so pro-education. I, yeah. I really am. And, you know, experience counts for a lot of stuff. I totally get that. And working in the salon and, and being having a really good mentor. But I think unless you start on the education ladder, you never ask yourself that question. Hmm. Even if you do a level one, you do a level one, which is literally here's a dog, there's a leg in each corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you've passed something, and in your brain and out of your mouth comes what's next. Yeah. And you do level two, and then you go, what's next? And you yeah. do level three. And then you finish level three, and you go, what's next? And you do level four. And I think that if you've never done that qualification, you never, you kind of just bob along. You never kind of go, what's next? What am I going to do next now? Mm -hmm. And I think that when the high diploma finished, I think that was one of the things that there was nothing higher than the high diploma. And I think that's why I kind of went into teaching a bit because I was like, right, what's next? I'm going to improve. How am I going to still keep learning? Yeah. But and when the students present questions to you, I'm sure that must sometimes make you think, oh, I need to look that up or I need to. Yeah. And you're uh, very, you're very crafty because you they ask you a question and you don't know the answer and you go, oh, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> yeah. Research that and tell us all about it next week. And in the meantime, you're going, quick, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> I've always said over the years that it's my students that have always challenged me more than anything because they're, you know, they're like sponges and they, they you know, they want to know everything and you're kind of like, well, I don't know everything, but... Give me five minutes and I'll know a bit more once yeah, I Yeah, that. yeah you, just, you, just, you just go and bath that dog and then we'll talk about that later. So because you're like so well known for supporting campaign groomers who train up, why do you think that it is like so important and how do you think it helps them in the salon um, going forward to like minimise stress? I think stress is caused from lack of confidence. People don't generally get stressed um, making a cup of tea because they know what they're doing. They yeah. don't get stressed making a sandwich because they've made a sandwich 20, you know, 200 times and they know what they're doing. So I think that stress is caused a lot by just lack of confidence. So I think if you can just install into students just confidence in their own abilities. I mean, a lot of students will go, oh my God, I've, I've never done... I've never done a Lazarapso, and you'll say, but you've done 15 shih tzus. Yeah. You know, can yeah. you clip? Yes, I can clip. Can you scissor? Yes, I can scissor. Can you blend? Yes, I can blend. You can groom any dog. You know, and it's just saying to them, yeah, let's teach you all these techniques. Be confident in the fact that you can you can use those techniques safely. That's the best. And with the confidence as well, I suppose if you have been and you've trained and you've got um, things like certificates to show for it, then when even when like discussing to customers, um, you feel like you've got that bit of backup. So even if it's not the confidence in having done it loads of times, you've got the confidence that you know you know what you're talking about to sort of... Yeah, 100%. I mean, okay. a qualification is, is, you know, the assessment process is written so that you're deemed to be competent. So if you, if you can't do a task, then you know, you're not passed on it. You, you know, it's not that you failed, it's that you're not ready. You know, you just yeah. need to be more practice, then you'll, then you'll be ready. Yeah. So having that certificate that says you've been, you've been assessed doing X, Y, Z, and you're competent at the level. I mean, there are different levels and a lot of it is the underpinning knowledge that goes with it. So for anyone who's sort of getting ready for, um, say, a theory exam at the moment, 
do you have any sort of tips on how to plan and revise like in preparation things that you've tried and tested that work and the exams the exams next week so they well, this is good timing then I didn't even realize that <laughs> yeah, the exams next week next Tuesday I used to work for City and Guilds and I used to write the exams mm-hmm. and I used to help with with um you know quality control and all that sort of stuff and when Covid hit and nobody was going to college City and Guilds issued a statement that said that they were cancelling the June exam so right. the students that had started that were like panicking about I'm not going to college how am I going to pass this exam kind of big sigh of relief and went okay that's fine the pressure's off we don't, we're not doing an exam so it came around to September and, and the problem being is in the world of education colleges um, and such get a, a pot of money at the beginning when you register a student and then you get a pot of money at the end when the student qualifies or you know whatever happens to them you know once once the circle's completed for that student the whole learning journey yeah paid again and then it transpired that all the colleges were waiting for that pot of money to come at the end. Of course. And it, it wasn't going to come. So their students weren't taking the qualification. Yet they weren't going to get the rest of their funding, which what had a knock-on effect on finances. So the colleges and city and guilds decided to put an exam on and they put it on in September. And um, so there was all these students that were totally unprepared for a qualification to take their to take their um, uh, exam. And um, I was like, this is just really rubbish. So I went onto Facebook and said, look, I'm happy to do live lessons. I'll just do live lessons, log in if you want to, you know. I had yep. lots of paperwork, so I put together workbooks and silly stuff like that. It was really done literally on the back of a fag packet. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it was, yeah. A lot of structure to it. It was all very, it was just, you know, let, let's give them as much information as we can and let's get them through through the qualification. So we did that. And then at the end of it, we kind of went, oh, hi, you know, bye, everybody. Good luck. And, and they were going, oh, you can't stop. Can't stop. <laughs> no, and several people had joined the study group that were um, doing the November exam. And they were like, oh, no, no. Can't stop. That's not far you're away from September. Got to carry on to November. Yeah. So we were like, oh, OK, we'll carry on to November. Then in November, what happens? We have another lockdown, don't we? Oh, of course we so do. So I then did it for the following June. So I literally spent about 18 months just doing what I could online and supporting the students. And then we decided to try and formalise it. So now we've got um, 10 lessons that are um, all on, yeah, all on webinars. Every lesson's got a workbook. Every lesson's got um, questions at the end of it so they can check their understanding. And the questions are written in the way of city and guilds. And, uh, you know, so now, you know, I always recommend students, if, if you feel that you want extra, then, you know, jump onto the theory um, course and, and it's all there for you. So, and where do people go to see that? So if they go onto my Facebook page, Julie Harris Education, and then yeah. um, all the details are on there, or just email us or go onto the website, the theory program's on the website. So we've yeah. got Julie Harris Education and we've got Julie Harris Groomer. So both of those websites have got links through to it. So my role's changed now to, to try and just get a good support to, to, to students. What a lot of um, private trainers have done is they now give their students um, my course to do. 
yeah they deal with um all the uh practical skills and then they they log in onto my course and we can track how they're doing that sort of thing so it's been it's been a really handy tool then especially because then the, the teachers can actually concentrate on the grooming in the salon and then they know that they've got the backup of that yeah. behind the scenes as well i know that's brilliant and the, and the trouble is with students is when you learn something in a college you know sometimes it's rushed you know the colleges are great they do their very very best yeah sometimes it's not you know they can't take it away and and like listen to it overnight I mean I've had loads of husbands come up to me at shows and go oh my god your voice just (laughs) (laughs) I have to listen to you I have to listen to you when I you know on on my wife's watching the TV in the bedroom and I have to listen to you, you know, and they're all, it's all very jokey and that sort of thing, but, and everything's audio as well. So if you just want to listen to a lesson while you're out walking the dog or something like that, you know, yeah. we've tried to make it as simple as, as easy as possible. And do you think that it's like good to break, break things down and not try and do too much in one sitting at a time? Like how do you know when you've over revised and, there's two ways that you learn things. So you learn things by understanding it mm-hmm. and you learn things by parrot fashion. So, yeah, you could, I mean, my husband did a, a degree course when we were very, very first married and he's, he's a, an engineer, but he couldn't type. So yeah. I had to type up all his work for him. Well, I mean, I didn't have a flipping clue. No. I didn't know what I was typing and he'd go, well, that doesn't make sense. I was like, well. None of it makes sense to me. None of it makes sense to me. <laughs> But then I learned it and I learned the terminology, but I didn't have any understanding. No. And the trouble is, you know, you could teach, you know, your granny five pieces of um, restraint equipment. You could say, oh, granny, five pieces of restraint equipment are a muzzle, a neck nose, a belly strap, you know, a yeah. towel or whatever you wanted to do. And she'd go, oh, yeah. And she could answer a question on five pieces. But if, if somebody said what piece of restraint equipment would you well, use for an elderly yeah. Labrador with hip displacer? She wouldn't have a clue. No. So there's, it's learning things parrot fashion and understanding. And I think that when you understand something, you retain it. Yeah, of course, yeah. You retain parrot fashion. If you, ask, no. you know, if you ask your granny two days later what five pieces of restraint equipment are, she wouldn't know. No, and that was, I had a maths teacher at school like that, and I used to say, well, why have you done that part of that son? He said, because you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I'm never going to remember that. I know. I have no idea what you're talking about or why you're doing it, and I sh- like, you, you think, well, I struggled that subject enough as it is without an uh, answer like, because you do. I know. Because I'm not interested, so how am I, I going to remember? I seminar years ago, right, um, for a really, I mean, a top groomer, and... Um, they were showing how to do something and somebody asked a really obvious question like, well, how do you create that shape? And they literally turned around and went, well, you just kind of do it. Yeah. And I was like, a real like step by step. Oh my God. You know, and and everybody else was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And I was like, no. So our theory program, because groomers are quite creative people and they're, quite like me you know I've got I've got you know learning difficulties I'm, I'm partially dyslexic um and also I do apparently according to everybody that works with me I have ADHD as well join the club <laughs> <laughs> so I took a test once and I was like no it's totally wrong and they're like no it's not Julie it's right yeah. 
Um, so I need to learn by building blocks. I have to start at the bottom and mm -hmm. then build things on top. So I have a, a really good understanding. So that's the way that the theory program is done. It's done by, you know, um, basically telling, understanding, seeing, you know, recap all the time. So, yeah. and anybody that's been to my, you know, seminars or anything that I do will know that I always try and bring it back to something you know, that they can, you know, they can think about um, and they go, oh, OK, now I understand that if you put it in that context. Yeah. And it's about I think it's about trying to like make the topic interesting, however mm. you can. Um, I mean, like I remember when I was studying for my ICMG, I mean, I was like, like what, well, what we'd say, completely hyper focused on learning my breed standards. I found it so interesting why that dog's made like that to be to that job. Yeah. Um, why does it look like that why does the coat have to be like that you know what what reason is it is in that position for and if I, the more I questioned people who knew about the breed relating to that breed standard the more I understood it but then I also found that going back to the old school methods of literally look cover write, check things like that I had to do that sort of thing as well and spider diagram things um and like quizzing each other like yeah. when when I was on the ICMG page, I quite often put quizzes up and people probably thought, well, what's she spending all her time doing this for? But by making that an interesting way of remembering a, a, a quote or whatever that I couldn't remember quite right, I think like the repetition and making it interesting combined mm. um, sort oh, well, of helped do, we me. We do that a lot in the theory programme. I mean, it's like the, the, the funny one that people laugh about is Auntie Edna loves puppies. And that's literally the um, the life cycle of a flea. Auntie Edna loves puppies. I've not heard that one yeah. before. Adult, well, I made it up. Adult, oh. <laughs> adult egg, larva, pupa. Auntie Edna loves puppies. I'm going to remember that one. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like, you know, never eat shredded wheat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. or many very that. educated men jump sideways underneath puddles. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. That's and how I remember the planets. And you think, what the hell? Yeah. And, and it's all stuff like that that we try and include. And then in the study group, we've got a Facebook page as well. So a lot of the students, um, you know, do put in, oh, I've made up this, you know, it might help other people and other people are like, oh, that's brilliant. I love that. I'll remember that now. Any, any little way. rhymes are great for us. Definitely. Um, so just moving on a bit more to sort of like the well-being sort of side of our industry. Um, obviously, you've been grooming quite a while now. And so how have you seen the pressures of the industry change from when you started to sort of today? Um, I think the big thing that's changed is is social media. I think that that's that's been the 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 thing that that has really caused the most the most stress. Yeah. Um, you know, social media, it's the it's the illusion of, of perfection. You know, and what I try and say <laughs> to anybody is nobody is going to put up a picture of a shit groom. No. So every groom that you see is always going to be the best that they can do because they're proud of it. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, and that that's fine, but it does tend to people thinking, I'm never going to be able to do that. That's way out of my control. And I think that it just it just really makes people, it knocks people's confidence. And then why, what breaks my heart is when people put a, a picture up of the, a groom they've done and they write on it something like, please be nice. And I'm like, why do... People feel like they have to put that. Why do they have to put down? 
please be nice. I mean, for God's sake, that's just dreadful. Mm. I mean, I can't think of any other industry. You know, does a plumber put up a bit of welding and go, what do you think, guys? Please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> of course he doesn't. You know, or a postman. How do you rate how I put yeah, that up? You know, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of my knees in these shorts? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? You know, it's postman day or something. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get, and I, I mean, I just sort of think to myself, well, thank God there were no phones around when I started grooming because, you know, again, we had no guidance. You know, my, my training, I thought my training was good and, and it was terrible. I didn't do any heads. And I left after three months. Never you know, do a head. You know, and, and we all thought it was great. We were like, oh, you know, she'd gather us round and we'd all watch her do the head and we'd be like, oh, that looks lovely. And then you'd be out in the wild, wild world and you think, oh, I've never done a head. Oh man, bloody hell, you know, so it's really hard. You know, confidence is a is a a major thing for groomers. And I think that that they need to they need to drill it down and kind of go, do you know, these people have been grooming for years. Um, and I tell you something also, it's not all about the groom, and I bang on about this all the time Mm -hmm. because it's so much more about the welfare of the dog. There's groomers that do beautiful grooms, fabulous grooms. I wouldn't give them one of my dogs. No. And then there's other groomers that, are, you know, turn out a nice little neat and tidy groom. And I, all day I'd let them, you know, groom my dogs. Um, yeah, there's definitely several elements to our job. And like you say, putting the dog's needs first is definitely the, the, the big one that needs to go up there. Yeah. Um and if you've got a dog that's old and it can't stand very well, or you've got a dog that's just come out of an operation and it's healed enough to be in the salon, but it is not good, you know, good enough to stand for ages, there's going to be parts of the groom that do look a bit shabby because of those reasons. Yeah, 100%. Or the- we had a dog um, that's never been to us before. The daughter booked the dog in and she said, it's a very elderly dog. It's Patterdale. Um, it really needs to tidy up. And her opening thing to me was um, uh, the vet wanted to put it down in December. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And then she said, um, and uh, three months ago, they gave it two days to live. Hmm. So I'm looking at this dog and I, I literally, I said to her, I said, why, why are you here? Hmm. It, this dog doesn't need to be groomed. Do you know what I mean? It had glaucoma, it had a very swollen eye. And I thought any stress and we're just gonna cause such terrible pain in the eye I said to her do you know no dog ever needs a haircut that much unless it's say a welfare issue and she said oh it's it's nails are terrible so I did its nails I literally scissored off a bit around its beard and away it went home you know yeah. I'm not putting your dog through all that stress because you think you know what I mean you're, you're worried about its appearance it's not worth it, it really um, and I think sometimes it does d- does help like when you're honest with the owners about that it helps you build the respect up as well because you're not just putting the dog through it for the sake of another what 40 quid or something no. putting the dog fair so if we move on to like my last few little final round of questions what what is it about our industry that you think impacts on our mental health the most I know we touched on social media but I was sort of thinking more in the salon I think it all boils down to confidence. I think if you're not confident when a dog comes in, I think time restraints are terrible. If you're thinking, mm-hmm. I've only got an, an hour and a half to do this dog and it won't stand still. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I find it sometimes with my girls is they'll check the notes on the dog and I'll see them check the notes on the computer and off they'll go. And then 
10 minutes later, they'll come back and they'll check the notes again. And then they'll go back. Mm-hmm. And then they'll call out to somebody and say, can you just, what, what is it I do on the head? And I'm like, that's clear. <laughs> you know, we're panicking now. We don't know what yeah. we're doing. You know what I mean? And I kind of go, right, okay, let's have a look. What are we doing? You know, and they're lucky because we bounce off each other. I think groomers that work by themselves. Yeah. And I've done that myself. You know, that is a very, very lonely existence. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very scary existence. You know, if, if there's a, a, you know, if, if heaven forbid there's an injury to a dog, you know, you're dealing with that by yourself. If the dog's aggressive, you're dealing with that by yourself. Mm-hmm. If you just, you know, I think, I think when you work by yourself, I think you become overwhelmed a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, I think you're and right. If you've got naughty dogs in the salon, what we tend to do with our lot is somebody will bath it and then somebody will trim it. So you yeah. kind of like at the point where that person's starting to get overwhelmed, they've then the dogs then moved on to somebody else and and yeah, that, that's really that, good that, way to do it. You know, that groomer's got a you know a clear view of what's going on and they're they're all right about it. But yeah, yeah. It, it is so I think that causes us anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, heat, oh my god, we're coming into summer. Mm-hmm. Not only are we starting to then panic about the dogs in our care, are they getting over overheated? We start to get overheated. Yeah, are we drinking enough? I yeah. mean, we go through phases at the salon where we'll stop and we'll go, right, everybody drink. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like right okay and we've got these bottles which have got times on them they're yeah. brilliant you know nine, need to get more 9am 11 and somebody will go I'm still on 11am and we're like right it's one o'clock right catch up you know so you know that and when you're by yourself you haven't got that camaraderie of, of people I have to, in the summer i make one of them bottles up i freeze the squash overnight and then i'll keep that for the next day and try and make sure i'm drinking it but nine times out of ten if i've got five minutes i'm more likely to go and roll a fag and drink a coffee than go near the freezer <laughs> to get water out it's just it's just i suppose it gets into habits doesn't it but like you say if i had someone else um working with me then we'd be bouncing off each other all the time you whereas i get to sort of two o'clock and i think oh i'm a bit dizzy uh, I should probably go and drink something. <laughs> I think again, it, it's we need recognition in the industry, and I, and I think you know you can have grooming as a hobby, hundred percent. You know, there's nothing about that. I mean, you have men that tinker with cars; they're not mechanics. Yeah. I mean, I, I cook dinner every night. I'm not a chef. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. so it, I think there's a place for people to sort of have it as a hobby. But I think if we want to charge a reasonable amount of money and that boils down to, you know, everybody has to earn a certain amount of money and that everybody's needs are different. If you're a mum, single mum, you're going to want to earn more money than somebody that's got a husband that's also bringing money into the, you know, and that's not yeah. sexist, that's just life. Yeah. That's just the way it is. So, you know, you've got that, that pressure of, I've got to do four dogs a day, you know, so therefore then, you know, that, that puts time restraints on you. I think um, I shared on Facebook the other day, something that this smart breather there's a course that they're advertising four days become and they said it was the the job was um, (laughs) relaxing and stress-free i saw that yeah i did see that one yeah and i was like what oh my good god i've never relaxed and we we joked about that for days at the salon the girls were wandering around going Oh, what a lovely stress-free day. What I've had such a stress-free day. And then at the end of the day, when we're all absolutely knackered, 
Then we're, walk, we're walking out of the salon, locking up, and Sophie toasts me and goes, oh, I feel so relaxed. <laughs> I can literally imagine all the situations in the salon where you could just be like, oh, yeah, so not stressful and so relaxing. Yeah, so relaxed. You're like, inside, you're like, <laughs> I just feel so relaxed. How amazing is that? Um, but, you know, it, it is, and it's fine for it to be a hobby, but I think... You know, groom your own dogs. That's you know, yeah. that would that would be great. You know, I, I I've been giving talks yeah. at um, uh, you know, the dog fest, and I said to them, everybody here is a dog groomer. Yeah, I'm just a professional dog groomer. It's my profession. You know, you all groom your dogs. Um, so you're all dog groomers, but actually, I class myself as a professional dog groomer. Yeah, and that's and what we need to push out the whole time. Is is you know, seeking out a professional dog groomer definitely. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go. So with your job, what makes you most proud? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what I think my job is. I mean, as an educator, mm-hmm. um, I'm most proud at, at people, you know, the, the feedback I get from the students, the people that message me and go, oh, my God, I couldn't have done it without you. You know, and I know I'm doing something good. Yeah. As a group. Big satisfaction in helping other people, isn't there? Yeah, and as a groomer, I suppose for me, it's it's about turning out a nice groom. It's about identifying a problem with a dog that they've then gone and, you know, got sorted or something, you know, sort of yeah. being that, that link to somebody. Because, you know, a lot of my clients do respect what I say and they're, they're great, you know. They, um, you know, they, they kind of go, oh, you know, well, his ears okay? And you go, yeah, absolutely, everything's fine. I've checked him from head to toe. You know, mm-hmm. so they see you as a professional. But, but yeah, so that, that gives me a lot of pride. Um, yeah. you know, and what so, about your um, work with the spotlight? Well, the spotlight, the spotlight is kind of like my heart thing, really. It's, it came about because people weren't doing, weren't being qualified because they didn't see the point. Nobody ever asked them for their qualification. Um, It's costly. And basically the qualifications had no value. Um, Why bother? And and that was what was happening. And the trouble is numbers were dwindling. And City and Guilds, which was our only people at the time when the spotlight came out, um, were not going to continue with the qualification because just wasn't enough people going through it. So they're not going to make the time. So, you know, we nearly, we've nearly lost the qualification a couple of times. Which is really scary. But it's just, it's just, we can't, we can't allow it to happen, Carla. It can't happen. I mean, that's such a huge backward step. And I don't think it would now because we've got, we've got IPET, we've got yeah. A, we've yeah. got ICMG. You know, I don't think we would. But I mean, City and Gills might just say, oh, well, it's too diluted now. Mm-hmm. We'll pull out. Or IPET might say, well, it's too diluted, not enough people are going through it. So we've got to be precious of the qualifications. So the idea was to make the qualifications valuable, make yeah. people want to be qualified. And we thought if we had a registry where only qualified people could go on, we would actively encourage people to become qualified. So we're not saying unqualified's bad. We're no. just saying you're not qualified yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all will help you get the qualification. We mm. need that professional recognition. And that's, you know, a spotlight is literally a search engine 
where you can find a qualified groom in your area. And I'm yeah. not saying that experience doesn't count. And I'm not saying that the people on the spotlight are the best groomers in the world, but we've already discussed that it's not all about the groom. They have been assessed to be safe. Yeah, when I pass customers on to other groomers, if they're moving away, I always say, oh, look at the groomer spotlight, type your postcode in there. And they say, oh, what's that? And I say, oh, it's a bit like check a trade for dog groomers. Yeah. You know, go and you can read about the groomer. You know that they're qualified. You can look at the pictures of their grooms, look at the pictures of the salon, uh, figure out their, you know, aims of their business and, you yeah. know, who they are and you know that they've passed that they've passed that exam and then beyond that you can choose what suits you and we've, we've just got to make qualifications count for something we have because yeah. a qualified person's been assessed to criteria mm -hmm. so if i if somebody that's level three comes to me for a job i know exactly what they know i know what you know because you've been assessed yeah, if somebody comes yeah. to me with 10 years worth of experience yeah i have no idea what they know no you know? experience is invisible they don't walk around with 150 dogs behind them going this is what i can do <laughs> yeah. level three to me and i know what they can do yes they might not you know they might have scraped through we can work on that we can work on that mm -hmm. but it's just that that and it's not just a piece of paper it's it's protection it really is yeah you know, yeah, that you know what you're doing. That and that's that's what that's what we. I can't count the amount of times I've said to customers when they've like asked me to do something that I know that I can't do for whatever reason. You know, this is my job. I've been qualified. I've been training for this for God knows how long. Well, my it's, it's just something to fall back on, isn't it? When you're trying yeah. to talk to people and, and justify not, your your reasoning. And it's not something to say that you you have to do everything. I mean, one of my girls um, doesn't like doing poodles. So she, no. I, don't, I don't do poodles fine i don't you know it's fine you don't have to do everything you no. know you, you can be a specialist on 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 certain things and that that works well but you know qualifications do matter they definitely do and yeah. you know if you've been grooming a long time there are very easy fast track ways of getting getting that bit of paper that does stand for something most definitely yeah and so when you finish work and um, you're done for the weekend, what do you do to help you relax? What is your go-to? Um, I go to dog shows. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, how flipping... You've got to love a dog show. How flipping sad is that? I mean, I do... I literally have a huge appreciation of dogs. Yeah. I really do. I mean, from, you know, a, a St Bernard's to a Chihuahua, you know why they're the shape they are, you know, what you were talking about earlier, just a huge appreciation of dogs. Um, I love walking my dogs. I love, you know, I've got one that's, that's um, you know, a bit of a handful. You know how you, <laughs> you, how you get those labels that go on leads, like nervous? Yes. Or give me space. When I yeah. was up at Ruffs, I got one for Leroy and it's got unpredictable twat on it. <laughs> brilliant so, so he you might need to tell me where you got that from I'll yeah so I'm like that so sums him up unpredictable twat you know he'll walk past 15 dogs and then the 16th one he'll go right I've got you got your number <laughs> and yeah. so I love walking I mean I love I love wandering around a good boot fair That's and my happy. grandchildren I have to say I they put a smile on my face every day they just Aww. They're yeah. just brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think I've got to the end of all the questions that I was going to ask you today. Um, thank you so much for coming on. So thank you very much. It's been that My pleasure. Great. And it's lovely chatting to you too as well. Thanks.
It's always lovely to chat with Judy. She's so down-to-earth and informative. I think her theory classes sound like an excellent way of getting ready for your exam. And I love how passionate she is to share her education. I've seen Judy present seminars so many times and she's so engaging. She does make you think and question. And though she admits she doesn't have all the answers, she has a bloody lot of them. It was also interesting that she mentioned that social media was the illusion of perfection. Because next week, I'm talking to another Judy, Dr Julie Osborne. I'm very excited about this as I follow her podcast, My CBT. I'm talking to her about perfectionism, what it is, how we use it and why it's so damaging. I also want to learn more about CBT and how it works. So for now, have a lovely day and enjoy your weekend. For those attending the Green Team England Carnival, have lots of fun on Sunday at the Kennel Club in Stoney. They're having a fun dog show, a bake-off competition, there'll be music, a caricature artist, and I'm sure somewhere I read that there's going to be a cocktail wagon. In the meantime, follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, and follow the Facebook page. For now though, cheerio! (laughs) 